listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. So this morning, I do want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, we will be talking about um, elders and deacons. We'll talking talking about the leadership of, of the church. Um, and if you think back, this is kind of the last sermon and like a four-part sermon series on like life at TVC and kind of who we are as a church. Um, it started five weeks ago. We talked about the unity of TVC and how we're, we are to work to maintain that unity. And it's unity that's already been um, accomplished by God um, through Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we are united in Christ um, and we are to work hard and fight to maintain that unity. And ultimately, that unity is resting in and is founded in the unity that we see in the triune God between the Father and the Son and the, the Holy Spirit. And that, that unity is eternal and it's unbreakable. And so we need to be fighting and working hard for that unity. We talked about the purity of the church and how we need to be working um, to be, become more pure as a people and as a church. That means we need to be dealing with our sin um, that each of us has and fighting that sin. And when we understand the work that God has done in our lives through Christ, that should spur us on to want to battle that sin. We talked about three steps, if you remember, the putting off of the old self, being renewed in the spirit of our mind, and then putting on the new, and it takes all three steps uh, to change. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about membership and how becoming a member of, of a church, becoming a member of TVC is ultimately an outward reflection of an inward love that we have for Jesus and for His church and for His people, right? And it's a church, right? It's a people that He shed His blood for. Right? And so the deeper we understand the gospel and the commitment that God had to, to His people, the more we should want to covenant with that God and with His people in, in church membership. And ultimately, that commitment, it isn't like spontaneous, like true love is not merely spontaneous. It's, it's planned, it's premeditated, it's characterized by commitment, and God's commitment to His people means that we should be committed uh, to His people um, as well, and we covenant in membership and now this morning, we talk about elders and deacons, and I mean, full disclosure here, um, th this isn't like super hard uh, in, in one sense, um, and in fact, as I was preparing and studying and thinking through, like, how do we tackle this in about 40, 45 minutes, um, there's a lot of things that I could say, um, and I found myself being like kind of grumpy um, about this, because it's like... It seems so wooden, and it seems just kind of like, okay, elders, deacons, officers of the church, okay, blah, 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 right? And so, but if we think about it this way, and I want to encourage you to think about it this way, right, that this is the church that Jesus shed his blood for, and this is the leadership structure that he has for his people, right? And so if we think about it that way, um, I, that will hopefully maybe generate excitement into thinking about, okay, this is how God chose to set up His church and have His church led. And so it's a privilege to sit here um, and to stand up here and think about God's church and the commitment to His church and the structure of His church in that frame of minds, right? And think that He has, in His grace, called us to be part of that work. And I hope that 
makes sense. And before I go too much further, I do want to read um, for us this morning. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 13. Um, I'll ask you to please stand. I know that Brian Crick didn't have you stand last week, and I will talk to him about that when he gets <laughs> off vacation. All right? <laughs> but I would ask you to please stand for the reading of God's Word. And this is, right, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing to Timothy, who is working and serving in the church in Ephesus. And Paul writes these words to Timothy. He writes these words by extension to us, his church, the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, nor violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to gather here. Lord, and I do want to pause and I do want to pray for the nation of Israel, Lord, and the, what's happening over there. And Lord, we just pray for your grace and your mercy in the lives of those people and in this conflict. Lord, we know that you allow all things, that you are sovereign, and this has not caught you by surprise, and you will use this for good, you will use this for your glory, so we pray to that end, um, that you will get the glory that you deserve. Lord, and I pray for us now as we spend time in 1 Timothy chapter 3, as we think about leadership and of the church, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and Lord, maybe you would fan the flames of just a deeper love for you and for your church because of our time here this morning. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. 
So I think I mentioned back uh, when we talked about the purity and the unity of, of TVC, we were in Ephesians 4, I, I think I made a comment about whenever you kind of like jump into a book, you kind of need to orient yourselves a little bit with uh, the context in which the book was written, this letter rather was being written to Timothy, and so um, Paul tells us um, why he wrote this to Timothy, and if I had continued reading verses 14 and 15, um, we would see that, and so I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. So Paul tells Timothy this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that, right, so here's the purpose, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of gods, which is the church of the living gods a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to tell him, this is how church is to be. Right? This is how people are to conduct themselves. And he, he'll talk about it in the... You can, and you uh, read 1 Timothy when you get home this afternoon. Read First and Second Timothy. It'll take about a half hour. Um, but read those. And he's, he's telling Timothy, here's, here's what church should look like. Here's the order and, and, and structure of, of a church. Here's how people are to conduct themselves, right? And yes, it involves leadership and, and, and elders and deacons. And we talk about the, the qualities of leadership, but there's, there's proper worship that's littered through here. There's, there's talk about what it means to how to best confront false teaching. Paul tends to spend time talking about um, the realities of those who are going to walk away from the faith, but there's the, the realities of, of knowing how to best care for people within, within the church. And so it, it's a tremendous letter, and you see this, this mentor, Paul, writing to this mentee, Timothy, and saying, and Timothy was Paul's right-hand man, this is how we need to think through this. This is what you need to be working on. And he wrote similar uh, to Titus. Um, you can read the book of Titus as well and similar instructions to Titus. And so ultimately what Paul is saying is that as a Christian, as a believer, right, we are to be living lives that are above reproach, right, that are going to serve as an example um, for one another, but also to, to the watching world and to our neighborhood and to our communities and to our towns and to our villages. But this morning we're just, we're going to focus on leadership. We're going to focus on the qualities of those leadership because what happens right, is that the church, a church, um, will become like its leadership, right? And, and it's not, that's not a unique church thing. Um, if you play sports at all, right, your team that you coach or the team that your, your son plays on, right, they will become like the coach. It just happens, right? And it's the same thing with church. We're, we're, we're no different. The church will become like its leadership, and so... When Paul is writing to Timothy, you notice that Paul doesn't give any gifting, except for elders, right, have to right, be able to, to teach, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But whether it's an elder or a deacon, the majority of what Paul is speaking to is the character of the person. So, and these 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 things that Paul writes about, these characteristics, these qualities, being above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, not a lover of money, all those things are qualities that everybody should be striving for, right? That's working for the, the purity of 
the church. So at a certain, at a certain level, right, there is no higher standard for church leaders, right? We're all to be striving for these, right? But the issue comes in here, there's an expectation that a church leader, an elder, or a deacon is going to actually live out those qualities and be an example for, for others, right? The standard's the same, it's how are you living your, your life. Now, I, I, I have to say this, and I, he'll, he'll appreciate me saying this, but back on March 6th in 2022, the members were gathered here for a members meeting, and one of our elders, Grant Soderup, got up and spoke about the call for us as believers to strive to hit these qualities that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Are we growing spiritually? Are we pursuing purity? And that's what Paul's laying out here, but now he's going to talk specifically about elders and he's going to talk about deacons. So let's talk about elders. And listen, I'm not going to go through every quality that he has in here. Like, don't stress out on me. All right, I'm not. <laughs> right, because I could have gone, and here's part of the Here's part of the, like, the challenge of this is, obviously, we're in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7, right? I could have spent, we could spend time in Titus 1, 5 to 9. We could spend time in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 3. We could be in Acts 20, verses 17 to 38. All those deal with and talk about elders and eldership. But if you look at all of, right, what these passages say, 1 Timothy, Titus, 1 Peter, Acts, we get this understanding, right, that elders lead Elders shepherd, elders equip, elders protect, and elders teach. Right now, those are broad brush categories because there's a lot of little details and differences as you start thinking about what's it mean to actually teach, what's it mean to shepherd, and what's it mean to equip. Right? There's a lot of detail underneath those broad categories. So have that in mind as we now begin to walk our way through these first seven verses of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you look at the second half of verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Right? I'm going to not use the word overseer. I'm going to use the word elder. It's the same thing. They're synonymous terms. Right? So if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, elder, he desires a noble task. And what Paul is doing here to Timothy, he's not telling Timothy that he needs to go around to every man in the church at Ephesus and say, you need to be an elder, you need to be an elder, you need to be an elder. That's not what Paul's telling Timothy. What Paul is telling Timothy is that, listen, this, this, this call, this office of elder or office of elder of overseer, that is a noble task. Now, now why would Paul have to say that to Timothy? I'm guessing because people didn't think that being an elder was a noble task, right? Why would you want to be an elder in a church when you can, right, be a doctor, when you can be a lawyer, when you can, like, whatever, right? There's that idea that must have been, I believe, swirling around, and Paul saying, listen, if you, if this, if you have a man in your church who aspires to this and who desires this, that's a noble task, And if it's a noble task, then it needs to be done well. 
And if, it, if you want to do it well, then there are certain characteristics, there are certain qualities that these men must have. But it begins with this aspiring to the office of elder. And aspiring means it's not just, hey, I think that'd be something I might want to do some, at some point. Right? Aspiring to something means that you're going to take the steps and put in the effort to head towards that goal. You're going to practice, right? You're going to read, you're going to study, you're going to attach yourself to men who are already elders and talk with them and learn from them and get to know them, right? It's, it's, it's discipleship. You aspire to that. But there's this desire that God puts in the hearts of men, not all men, but some men, to be, to be elders. And I'll tell you, 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 can't, you can't run from it. You can try, but, but you can't. And so it's not a, either you have your aspire to do this or you have a desire. It's like you, you aspire and there's the desire. It, it's a both and, like a, you just can't shake it. And it's a beautiful, important task to, to lead a church, right? And, and, and Christ is the, is the head of the church, but an elder is, is, is the under-shepherd or under-shepherds. You have a plurality of elders that's under-shepherds of the church. And as, as much as it's a ragtag group of people gathering on a Sunday morning for worship and doing life together throughout the week. It's a people that the chief shepherd, Jesus, purchased by shedding his own blood. And that was the plan of the Father for the Son. And so it's a stewardship of the gospel. It's a teaching of the gospel. It's protecting the truths of the gospel. It's being an example of the gospel for, for the church and for the people, right? And God puts that in the hearts of men. You'll notice that I'm saying men an awful lot, right? The office of elder is for men, men only. That is what Paul communicates here. And Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so God is communicating through Paul that this office of pastor, the office of, of elder, is, is for men and men only. And I say that without regret. God equips men for this leadership role, and it is by His grace and through only His work in the lives of these men that they can possibly hope to serve and help lead the church. All right? So there you go. Um, that's the first half of verse 1. We'll hopefully move a little bit quicker. Um, verse 2, um, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, I want to draw attention here to, 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 to something for you to help you think through this. Um, that word must, um, it's important. Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is the word day, D-E-I in Greek, and you're like, who cares? Um, it does matter um, because it, 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 it is necessary. Right, so there's a weightiness to, to that little three-letter word, it is necessary. It's the same word that appears in verse 7. All right, moreover, he must, 
right? And there's other words for, that can be translated must, and they're in this passage. But those two words, verse 2, must be above reproach. Verse 7, must be well thought of by outsiders. Book end this passage. Book end this section of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's almost as if it's an Oreo cookie and that it, they must be above reproach. It is necessary that they're above reproach. It is necessary that they are well thought of by outsiders, and the cream filling is all the characteristics and qualities that are in between those two cookies. And being above reproach and being well thought of by outsiders are really, really similar. What is the testimony, not just of this man within the church, but what is the testimony of this man outside in the community? What does his boss think of him? What does his co-workers think of him? What does his neighbors think of him? Right? That's what's lying behind this being above reproach. And then now Paul is going to flesh this out. Well, it means he's the husband of one wife. He's a one-woman man. It means that he's sober-minded. It means that he's self-controlled. It means that he's respectable. It means that he's hospitable. It means that he's able to teach. Right? And, 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 and it's, it's skillful teaching. Right? This, this, an elder has to be skillful in teaching. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 9, which is Paul's letter to, to Titus about the qualities, the characteristics of a deacon, and again, it's character issues here, he unpacks what it means to be skillful in teaching just a little bit more for Titus. He tells him in verse 9 to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it, right? And so to be skillful in teaching means that, that you can get up and you, you, can, you can faithfully teach the Word of God, but that you can also faithfully confront false teaching and false doctrine as well. You need both of those to be skillful in teaching. He talks about in verse 4 that he must, the elder must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Do not hear that when you open the doors of an elder's home, that everybody in the house is sitting around, singing worship songs together, getting along. The children never fight. Right? They never push each other down the stairs or pull their, each other's hair. Like, they're, like they're just little angels floating around the room. Don't, don't think that. It's not this call to perfection, but it's this call that an elder, this man, is going to be actively involved in his home. And the home, by the way, is not the building in which this family lives. It's the people who occupy that building. So that means he's not just there physically, he's there physically and emotionally, he's there actively involved in the life of his wife, and if God blesses them with kids, with their children as well. He's present. Because as Paul says, if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? And the answer is, he can't, and that disqualifies him. He has to be able to manage. He has to be involved in the life of his, of his household. 
of his family. And in verse 6, we get to in verse 6 and 7, there, there's, there's, there's these statements and then there's the purpose statements that follow them. And it's, this is important, right? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of, of the devil, right? And that the per, he may, right, become puffed up with conceit and fall. And that fall, by the way, it's, it's sudden, Right? It's not like when you, when you fall sometimes and you're like, you see it coming and you're just, everything kind of like goes like slow motion. That's not the fall that is talked about here. This is a fall where all of a sudden you're on the ground you're like, what, what just happens? Right? I thought I was standing. Right? It's a sudden fall. And, and, and there, there's, no, there's no clock on this. The whole like recent convert. Right? It's not like, okay, so... I don't think there's a Steve in here. Um, so Steve, right? God saves Steve on Monday. So now the clock starts, and two years from now, Steve can be an elder. Right? That, that's not what Paul's talking about here. The, the issue for Paul is the maturity of the man. Right? And maturity takes time. Seeing someone's character, seeing someone's growth takes time. Time gives evidence and provides evidence of maturity. And people grow and mature at different speeds, right? It's progressive sanctification. Some people are just like take off and you can't like barely reel them in. Other people, it's a slower process. For Paul, it's like, is this man mature in his faith? That takes time. Because what happens is if you lay hands on someone too quickly, the reality is the devil will attack and the devil will pounce. And this man can become conceited, arrogant, boastful, and prideful. And when he does, he will fall. And he will fall quickly. In verse 7, Okay, moreover, right, here's the, it is necessary, like day, it is necessary, right? He must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil, <laughs> right? To, to, to fall into disgrace, right, is, is, to, is, is to lose credibility, right? And it's, it's almost like this complete loss of credibility, but it's, it's a catastrophic loss of credibility. Because what can happen sometimes in churches is that, that, that we, we can, right, we can, we can cover for one another sometimes. Like, oh, it's not that bad. Right? They'll, they'll be okay. Right? But, but what does the outside world think of this person, of this man? Right? Okay. So the church cut him some slack. But man, this guy has a reputation of just not being honest and trying to get a leg up on everybody and pushing people down to step over them. Right? So the testimony of the outside world is just as important as the testimony of those within the church because if there's a disconnect there, this man will fall into disgrace. He will lose credibility 
in the church. The, the reputation of the church will be damaged because they will know that he is an elder and he is a leader of that church. And so his reputation can damage the reputation of the church, the effectiveness of the church to be reaching out into the community with the gospel, to come alongside and love and serve the town. So an elder is called, right, to maintain a, a good witness, right, and, and to, to guard himself and to guard the church from, from disgrace. And so these, these, these qualities that Paul has listed in these first seven verses, right, means that, that, that an elder is a man who just has this, 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 this walk, right? And it's not perfection, but it's you know that if, if this man sins and if he falls short, not if, when he sins and when he falls short, that he's going to do the work to confess that sin and to repent and ask for forgiveness and continue to walk and trust in the gospel. And people may not understand it. People may not like it in the world, and in our, in our culture, and in our communities, in our towns. But they, they don't have anything. They can't, they can't stick anything to them. It's like, I don't, I don't like what he believes in, but he's a really, really good guy. And he's faithful, and he's true, and he's honest. Right? It's, it's the godly character that Paul is concerned about. That's, that's the baseline for eldership. <laughs> so our Constitution, um, Article 6, Officers, Section 2, Elders. Um, and if you don't have a copy of this and you want a copy of it, I just you talk to me and I can email you a copy. I'll print off a copy for you. Um, if you want to read the Constitution, I would encourage you to read the Constitution. Um, it's not super exciting, but good information. But it says this, right, that in accountability to the membership, we talked about membership two weeks ago, right, in accountability to the membership, the elders shall oversee the ministry and resources of the church. They shall devote their, the elders shall devote their time to prayer, the ministry of the word by teaching and encouraging sound doctrine and shepherding of God's flock, what elders do. That's what we strive to do here at TVC by God's grace. Um, and it's my prayer that you, you see the qualities that Paul lists in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7 in, in your elders, knowing that your elders are in process just like you and that we rely on Jesus and the forgiveness of the gospel as we live our daily lives, <laughs> okay? Deacons, uh, verses 8 through 13. Um, deacons, likewise, and now, so whenever Paul, in, in, this, in this letter to Timothy, whenever Paul says likewise, he's talking about a different category here, and, and that, that is profoundly important because we've got to talk about verse 11. Um, so whenever he says likewise... All right? He's talking about, they're, they're similar, but there's, there's some slight differences. Okay? And I'll unpack that here in a few minutes. But deacons, uh, literally, it, it means to, to serve um, or, or to minister or to care. And so a deacon is, is somebody who cares for, who ministers, who serves right, the needs of the church. And it, it could be 
practical needs of the church. It could be needs of the people of the church. And so that obviously happens in a variety of different ways. But ultimately, what a deacon is doing, a deacon is somebody, right, who, who has just this, this gifting, if you will, of, of service, right? And it's service to, to God, to the people of the church, Right? They're ultimately serving God and the people of the, the church, the people who God's one and only Son, Jesus, shed His blood to purchase. Deacons don't lead the church. They, they serve the church. Right? But as I read through the, quali- the, the qualities of, of a deacon, you, you probably notice like, they sound really, really similar to, to the qualities of, of an elder, and they are like very, very similar. And you'll, then you should hopefully conclude that what matters most about a deacon is, is, is not their gifting, but their, their character. Right? How are these people who serve as deacons. You notice I'm not saying men, right? How are they serving? But how, more importantly, is their character? And so Paul begins the list. They must be dignified. They must have a character about them that people recognize and see. It's similar to being above reproach, that people can respect it and admire it. They might not agree, but they can just say, no, his character is, is, is he's, uh, he's a man of good character. He's a woman of, of good character. It's being dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Okay, that seems... It seems odd. Right? Paul didn't say anything about that in regards to, to elders, but he seems like he, he has to put this in for, for deacons. And this is why I, I believe Paul put this in, is because spiritually, the bar is not any lower for a deacon than for an elder. Right? It, it's not like you have your elders and then you have your deacons, which are like second-tier spiritual smart people. They're not quite elder smart. They're, they're deacon smart. It's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that, that deacons, too, must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They, they know what they believe. They know why they believe it. And what they believe filter determines how they choose to to live their lives and the choices that they they make the mystery of the faith is the gospel and so if you miss the message of the gospel right i would tell you and i think paul would tell you i think your bible will tell you that if you miss the gospel you really miss everything and so a deacon has to know and believe the message of the gospel And not just know it and believe it, but that the gospel has to inform the way that they live their lives, the way that they speak to their wife, the way that they speak to their children, the way that they interact with people within the church, the way they seek to serve others in the community. 
They're living out the gospel. The gospel has lodged itself so deep in, into their hearts, it's penetrated to such a level that it just kind of oozes out. They hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. It's the foundation for which they, they live their lives. Verse 10, let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless, right? Let them also be tested. So that means that elders also get tested, right? You pick up on that. So it's not like this testing is unique to, to the deacons, to the elders. They both need to be tested. What's their character like? What's, the, what's, their, what's their reputation like? Do they have these qualities what do their coworkers say about them? Right? And, and deacons, there's, there's a pressure right, that, that deacons have in serving other people. Right? And, and, and although they're not in like formal leadership, like that's the elder's role, there, there still is a weightiness to what they do because they're still representing the gospel, they're still representing the church. And they can represent the church and represent the gospel sometimes in really difficult, stressful situations as they serve as, as a deacon and minister to people. What is their character? Verse 11, ready? Here we go. Time to have some fun. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Um, the ESV translates that, the wives, that word wives, right? That it also can be women. Um, now, remember I said that, that the word likewise signals a new group for Paul. Um, this is why um, I believe, the elders believe, that female deacons is a valid category because we would say that it's not the wives of deacons, but it's women. So that means we will have deacons, and that means we will have deaconesses. All right? It's a similar but distinct group. So remember, right, verse 8, deacons likewise. All right, deacons are similar to elders in the sense that this is an office of the church, but they are distinct in the role that they fill within the church. They don't lead, they serve. Women, likewise, all right, so they're similar to to deacons, to, 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 to male deacons, but the role that they serve is going to be different in, in the church, right? That means that there are things that women can do for the health of the church better than men can. And God, in His grace, right, provides His church and gives His church with women who can serve in those ways. Okay, and I can unpack more of this. Like, we can get into, like, grammar, but that's boring, right? Um, but, like, you know, Romans 16.1, um, Phoebe is a deacon. Right, but the qualities of, of, the, of the deaconesses, right, is, is very similar to the quality of the deacons. Right, there's, there's no, see, there's, there's no, like, female word for deacon, right? And so it's like, so it's, you know, it's one cast. Anyway, all right, so we, we'll keep moving, right? But they're similar, right? Dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, 
faithful in all things. Right Again, Paul's not demanding perfection when he says faithful in all things. He just says, you know, where is their character? And, and are these women, are they trustworthy? Are they faithful? Are they dependable? And we can talk more about this after if you'd like. Um, I want to keep moving. Verse 12, um, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own household well. See, there's that, that male deacons, right? One woman, man. Are you actively involved in, 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 your, in your home with your wife and with your children? And then verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And what a tremendous statement that faithful service to, to God and to His church means that you'll, you'll gain a good standing. It doesn't mean, right? And so it doesn't mean that everyone's going to love you. It doesn't mean that everyone's gonna, always going to agree with you. That, that's not what it means. It means that you will have a faithful standing with people, that they will see you, they will see your character, and they'll say, I, I, I got nothing. I can't pin anything on the guy or the lady. I can't. Like their character speaks for themselves, right? And there's a, there's a concern here that you can become prideful and arrogant, right? And like, hey, my character speaks for itself. That's right, it does. But then you've missed the point that you're serving God and you're serving His church and His people, the people that Jesus shed His, His blood for. But it also, Paul says, gives great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Right? That as you serve people faithfully and you serve them well, the confidence and the strength of your faith grows. Right? There's a boldness that you'll, you'll have. There's a freedom that you'll have to, to speak. Right? Because if you find yourself as a deacon, right, you find yourselves sometimes on the front lines Right? And in those moments, you'll have opportunities to speak. Right? That's why you have to hold the mystery of the faith in, in a good conscience. You have to be pointing people to, to Christ. You have to be pointing people to, to the gospel. You have an opportunity to bear witness in sometimes very hard situations and circumstances. And as you do that... Well, by the grace of God, you will, your faith will be strengthened. Right? So, D TBC, we, we don't have deacons. Like, this is, this is the next, it's not a layer, that's not the right way of saying it. This is the next office that's going to be instituted, formally instituted. There, there's, and there's only two, by the way. It's, it's elder and deacon. Um, that's it. Biblically, it's the only two offices. And so, the elders have... Um, talked through this. Um, the elders have read up on this, and so we're beginning to we'll be beginning to put some of these things in place, right? But but a deacon, right? A deacon or a deaconess, right? Is is somebody who is is just is wired in a way that they can just spot needs, right? And I don't always listen. I don't always do that. I can get so tunnel vision that I miss things. 
And it's not just that they spot the need, it's that they, they say, okay, here's this need and this is what I think we need to do to fix it. This is what I think we need to do to help. Right? And it's not just spotting these, these needs that are like right in front of our face, right? It's anticipating those needs. Right? So you see how like the wiring that has to go on in someone that's going to, to serve as, as a deacon, that they're going to they're say, hey, I, I can see this potentially being an issue, and maybe it's a month from now, but maybe it's six months from now. We better be paying attention to this, right? That, that's, that's a deacon, so the deacons help the elders, right, fulfill their, our primary responsibilities, right, to, to teach and to shepherds. So a, a deacon helps promote church unity. A deacon protects church unity. Deacons humble, gentle, flexible. Right, they just have this, this love for the church and love for the people of the church, right? And so they come alongside the elders and, and they help the elders, right, fulfill the, this ministry. And, 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 they, and they don't, right, and there's, there can be contention here and that there should be no contention, right? And they come alongside to, to help the elders and to help the elders fulfill this ministry, like the shepherding ministry that the elders are called to, right, and meet the practical needs of the church, right? And, and they do this, not because elders are like the kingpins, right, and, and, and the ultimate ones in the church. They do, they do that because Jesus is the kingpin, right? He's, he's the chief shepherd. It's his church. He, he shed his blood for the church, and this is the way that Jesus set up his church, the church that he died for. There's going to be elders who lead, and there's going to be deacons who serve, that's why the church is set up the way the church is set up. So TBC will have deacons. Now, we're not going to have a, a deacon board. All right, we're, we're not doing that, but we're going to have a, a diaconate. And that's different. And that means that there will be people who will be asked to serve as a deacon or deaconess in, in, in very specific ways, okay? So, finance, um, hospitality, uh, children's ministry, uh, benevolence. I'm just I'm throwing out categories here. There's no names associated with these yet, um, right? Uh, building and grounds, facilities, whatever it is. So there will be people that will be asked to, to serve in that way. Hey, will you be the deacon or the deaconess of finance? Will you be the deacon or deaconess of children's ministry? They will ask to serve in that capacity. And these people, right, when I, when I say that, I, I hope you don't say, well, those are the workhorses, Right? Yeah, hit your wagon to that person. They'll get it done. Right? That, that's not what we're looking for. Right? We're looking for people who are gifted, who have the qualities that Paul talks about. Right? But there's also people who can see the need, anticipate the needs, know how to meet that need, but can also bring other people around them to come alongside to help meet that need. Right? It's not this Lone Ranger Deacon stuff. 
So it, it, I, I read, I don't remember where I read this, but I, I wrote it down, um, so it must be good. Um, <laughs> deacons are influential, a, an, an influential Calvary of servants, called by Jesus and commissioned by the church to identify, anticipate, and meet tangible needs, to protect and promote the unity of the church, and to strengthen and accelerate the mission of the church to make disciples. That's what we're here for, is to make disciples. And so the deacons help achieve that, that end and goal. TBC, and you can read, I won't read it, you can read Article 6 in the Constitution, Section 5, deacons, read that this afternoon after you read First and Second Timothy and Titus, then read the Constitution. Um, TBC needs, right, a, a board of under-shepherds called elders. And TBC needs deacons who are full of the Holy Spirit and who will help facilitate the ministry of the words of God to the people of TVC and to the Twin Villages and beyond by their faithful service to their God and for the church that he died for. All right? <laughs> Two more minutes. Um, so, elders lead the ministry, right? Deacons, right, help facilitate ministry, and the congregation does the ministry, okay? And, and all three of those, are, are all three of those are vital to the health and the effectiveness of, of church, right? And the elders realize, and I don't remember which one of it was in one of our elders' meetings, said, man, we've, we've missed the boat. We, 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 we're too, we're not too late. You're never too late as long as you're breathing. But like, we should have had deacons in place like five years ago, Probably. Right? But the deacons will help strengthen this church and will help drive the outreach and ministry and service of this church to make the gospel known, not just to one another, but to the town of Damascata and the town of Newcastle and Nobleboro and Bremen and Bristol and wherever else you may be from. And so at TBC... Uh, our structure, right, it's, it's called elder-led congregationalism, and I don't want to land here too, too long. But what that means is that the elders lead, the deacons facilitate, and the congregation does the ministry. That's what that means, right? That elder-led means that, that by God's grace, we will equip the saints. This is Ephesians 4. We'll equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right, and that the congregation has a job to do now because we're faithfully equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And the deacons help us see the needs and where we need to insert ourselves and, and, and to, to meet the needs of, the, of our people, but of the community as well. You see how that all works? All three are, are vital. And so by God's grace, the elders and to be deacons and deaconesses and the members, and the congregation. We will guard the gospel. We will make mature disciples of Jesus. We will strengthen one another. We will strengthen 
our, our gospel witness in the towns in which we live and minister, and that God in his grace will get the glory that he so deserves because of our faithfulness to him and his word and how he wants his church to, to be and, and, and be set up. Right? That, that's, that's what Paul is arguing for in 1 Timothy 3, 1 to, 1 to 13. How do we conduct ourselves? This is the way we are to conduct ourselves. I hope that was encouraging to you. Um, I hope you walk away. Like, I'm sure I'm going to get 17 emails about people wanting to be deacons and elders this afternoon, right? I don't check emails typically in the afternoon, but I might have to this week. So, But what I want to do now is we, as we think about communion, um, right, and how do we make this, how do we make this transition, right, to communion, um, I, I will do it this way. Um, as I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 13, and I was going through those qualities that Paul lists, above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things, the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well, as you, as you hear those, how are you doing? Right? And I think this is where as we sit quietly now, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, we examine our hearts. How is my self-control? Am I sober-minded? Am I gentle? Or do I tend to be a little bit more violent? Am I quarrelsome? Do I like to stir the pot and poke the bear? Am I a lover of, of money? Do, 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 do things drive me more than they should? Right? So as you think through those, there's opportunities here to, to confess. There's opportunities to, to bring them before the Lord and say, I, I've, I've fallen short in this area. I, I, am, I am quarrelsome. And to ask for forgiveness and to do the work that Paul calls us to do and the word calls us to do is to, to battle the sin and to confess that sin and to ask for forgiveness, knowing that we have forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this morning as you sit quietly and you, and you reflect and you, you examine your heart, do that work. Confess what needs to be confessed. Ask for forgiveness. And then when you come forward, right, then you'll be handed a piece of bread which represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, and you'll be handed a cup of juice which represents his blood that was shed for the covering of your sin. You, you come forward with a sense of, of confidence and boldness because that means God is alive and well, and he's active in your heart, and he's pushing you to holiness. He's pushing you to, to purity. 
And as we strive for purity individually, the church becomes more pure and the church becomes more united. And this is, after all, the church that Jesus died for. Right? May we never forget that. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to your church. Lord, that you didn't just establish your church. Lord, you also gave direction on how the church is to be set up and structured. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we look at our own hearts, as we examine ourselves in light of these qualities that Paul lists in 1 Timothy, and we realize that there, there are probably many that we fall short of, or that we would do the work of confessing the sin and asking for forgiveness and repenting of that sin and turning from that sin. Knowing that there is forgiveness available, because of Jesus who laid down his life, who shed his blood to purchase this church. And the church isn't the building, the church is the people. So Lord, may we never lose sight of those truths. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others, and for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria. Thank you.